That's a switch. Hold this for that ice run through my veins. I never miss. Going on my life is so insane since I got big lit. These niggas in my face like, why the fuck y'all in my business? That's a switch. That's a switch. That's a switch. Hold this for that ice run through my veins. I never miss. Welcome to the Podcast, your favorite player's favorite podcast, where we bring you NBA news, fan talk, and visions for growing the game. It's your host, as always, Naeem, here with my boy, me partner, me compadre. What's, what's good? What's up? What's up? It's your boy, Brandon. How you doing, my guy? I'm good. I'm excellent. We got the homie with us, as always, Eddie B2. What it do, baby? What's good, y'all? Um, another beautiful day here in New York City. Chilling. Happy to be back. Happy to be back at it. Excuse me. I relax there with you, Mr. Rogers. Ass. <laughs> um, I'm saying, finally, <laughs> the pod has come back. <laughs> yeah, back to my popular demand. Um, yeah, we came back. We took a little hiatus with the protests going on. We're trying to be involved in our local communities and trying to further the movement in any way we can. Um, we do have. At the time of this recording, an episode that we haven't released yet that will be touching on the beginnings of the movement, actually. Mm-hmm. So that'll be like a good kind of like look back into our mindsets and where we, what we were thinking yeah. when stuff first started. Yeah, just um, because but, it's been it's been very touchy to say yeah. the least, you know. Because and this is like a fight. I mean, I I know for myself and for yourself. I mean, this is something we've dealt with our whole lives. Like we're minorities, you being black and me being um, Hispanic. Um, and, and me having gone to, like, so many, like, diverse things or, like, conferences right, concerning yeah. diversity. Like, having gone to the White Privilege Conference and stuff like that. You guys can look that up, by the way, online, the whiteprivilegeconference.com um, to educate yourselves. But <clears throat> if I maybe it feels like I don't feel like the war is over, but it feels like maybe the conclusion of something. I I don't know. I, I really mean, the start like, of the, the end of yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say that. I don't the know start about, of the end of something. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of work to be done, and we're still very much in the beginning. Like I've, I've been seeing online people talk about allyship fatigue and all this other stuff, or like so-and-so is not trending anymore. It's just like, bro, this is just the beginning. Like, I think the... The thing that makes this whole thing tough is that it's so many different scenarios going on at once. Like, yeah, yeah, we have this social justice issue going on, this problem for sure. And it's in the middle of a pandemic. And that just makes everything so much more tense and and tricky and so much things, so much more things are in play. But one thing that's constant throughout is that we just got to stay vigilant, stay active, stay proactive and be out there on the front lines. Like, like we were saying, like a lot of time we were spending off, we're out at protests out, um, doing cleanups and stuff like that. Like I'm from the Bronx. I don't know how often, I think I mentioned the Lakers more than I mentioned I'm from the Bronx, but (laughs) we'd be out there. Like when those, um, looting was happening, we were out there cleaning up and everything. And, um, I know another thing that's going on out there is, you're not finding so much protest or social activism out there because it's not the the mainstream thing that media wants to put out there anymore. But if you're looking for more ways to be active and get involved, you should definitely check out Freedom March NYC. Yeah. <clears throat> they do a lot of good stuff. Uh, they held a really peaceful and beautiful June 19th, mm-hmm. Juneteenth protest. And go definitely go look out those people, Freedom March NYC. Yeah, I... Um uh, touching back to what you were saying about like the protests and then cleanups and stuff like that, I, I, we 
we're we're actually from like the same kind of neighborhood in the Bronx. I mean, I moved around a lot. Mm. Um, but I remember you sending me that video. No, actually, somebody else sent me a video of Burnside. Yeah. And, um, and for, not all the way, not all the way by university, more like on the Jerome mm-hmm. part. And it was just destroyed. Yeah, it was People it was were crazy. going buck wild. And I'm sitting there like, why? What the fuck? Like, I know, like, the video that I saw, it was in the middle of the, the looting. Mm-hmm. And you can tell none of those people are part of the movement. They're just people trying to have a good time fucking around. And no, it's not a good time. You're fucking up. Yeah. Like, like yeah. y'all just, these are people that are clearly bored with nothing else to do in quarantine that were just like acting out, which is not good by any means. And I hope that the guys who did that, who weren't not actually trying to accomplish anything or like don't get away with something like that Mm -hmm. I think is like so heinous, but I've, I've been on, I remember you, you were, you were on the ground, like cleaning up. Yeah. yeah. My sister was one of the people trying to organize people, get people together via Twitter to just go out together with our brooms and, garbage bags and all that stuff just to show one unified force. I think that's the thing that's going to make this move forward, whether it's the beginning, the middle, the end, whatever. Whatever conclusion we get to, we're yeah. going to get there together. And that's the thing that is what's slowing this down, I think. It's too many sides and too many different factions in all of this. We need one unified movement, one unified front, whether it's the citizens of the Bronx or or Minnesota, whatever, right. doing it, or whether it's the NBA players doing it, showing one unified front. We've seen it dismantling baseball a little bit for the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Their conversations and their negotiations just being so divided, they can't get anything done. We thought NBA was not facing that problem, but they seem to be going through the same thing. Right, so, I mean, we might as well start to get into it. Yeah. Um, with with uh, the return um, conversation... So what do you well first off let's not give our own opinions I actually want to talk about more Kyrie's call to action because he's already not going to be playing for the mm-hmm. rest of the season due to his injury so kind of we have I kind of keep that under consideration when he's telling other people not to play because it's not like you're not able to lead by example you're kind of telling other people to do it which is I think yeah. my gripe with when he announced it was and I had to unpack this because I'm I know I'm a hater at heart. <laughs> so I had to like sit with my I was like, why uh-huh. is it that I don't like the sitting out idea? And I realized if it was and I, again, I'm not a LeBron lover. I'm you know, I just I like watching his game. If it was LeBron who had said sit out, I would have been behind it, I think. So I think that yeah. was when I realized that, I kind of like had to take a step back and I'm now I'm just my opinion is just like I defer to like each individual player and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should. I mean, I if they could get it done, it'd be amazing if it was like a unified sitting out thing or a unified yeah. play, but do something else along with it. But I feel like there's gonna be just like small patches of players who don't play, kind of like in the WNBA, which we won't get into today. We have, that's a topic for another yeah. day. I mean, we got into it before, so if you want to hear, I would think go back to our previous episodes. But I think this is one of those things that we can't get lost in who the messenger is like too many yeah. times it's like we don't want to hear that message from that guy but in a situation like this we can't dismiss the messenger because even though he thinks the earth is flat yeah he that's is, the thing he is right about this that it is a distraction being caused and now the whole thing is 
the distraction is talking about the distraction, which it makes it yeah. even further away from the initial point, the initial conflict. And changing that, changing the discussion only helps one person, not the victim, not black right. people. You know, so, so like my big, th- so one thing that I noticed during the protest and and something that I like looked up and like was doing a lot of research was uh, a phenomenon called um, activist fatigue, mm-hmm. where it's like people during movements or something after like days in a row or weeks in a row of being on the ground, always going to the, every protest and all that, they just get tired and they like feel inc- it. And it's not just like a feel like an actual physical tiredness. It's like a mental and, thing, and ment- yeah. like the, the mental strain just gets to you after a while. And so I'm the of the opinion and I, I maybe it's selfish that I want basketball to come back, but maybe it can come back as a as a like kind of like an energizer or like a vehicle for these for those people who are on the ground to like get their minds off of it just for like a night. You know, mm-hmm. like I know I know people who have been on the ground every day, every weekend for these protests. Right. And they're tired. Like yeah. you see it, like one of them yeah. just hit me up in, in 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 our group chat, um, saying that she needed somebody to take over the planning, just because she was getting so overwhelmed. No, yeah, I I believe it. I'm I'm experiencing it myself. It it's just also something that we're not used to. Like from even though George Floyd is not the first George Floyd, right? And there's gonna be another Maude Aubrey, another Philando Castile, another everyone this one feels different because it's a prolonged action that tr- the Trayvon Martin protest the Mike Brown protest that went for like a week this has been a couple months now or no not a couple months it just feels like that with COVID too but it's been yeah. a it's been a month it's been, it's been a only month. it was like month, at the end right? of yeah. May I believe yeah, yeah yeah so even myself I'm like I don't remember the last time I ever felt this proactive or this just involved in the whole thing of it and it, it makes me mindful of what i'm posting too like sometimes i think i have heaters that i want to tweet out like oh yeah. man this is fun this will do numbers and i'm like you know this is not the right time for that like yeah this is not the thing i want to be promoting now, i don't want to i don't want to do that right now yeah and i feel like <clears throat> i've had weird moments during this movement where i've like i like there, for okay, one thing that I noticed that there was this person on Insta who put something in her bio where it's like if you click it, it automatically opens an email on your phone app to the Minnesota Police Department, the Minnesota uh, government, mm-hmm. like trying to get um, George Floyd's uh, murderers uh, convicted and arrested. Um, and there's a screenshot of her when she made this link where she had like two thousand followers, and then like by the end of, like, the next 48 hours, she had 150,000 followers. Sheesh. And there was, like, a really shit a part, shitty part of me that was, like, what should I do to get followers? And I was, like, <laughs> that should never have crossed my mind. I felt, like, I had, a, like, a legit moment of guilt mm. where I was, like, damn, I'm really trying to use the move- movement for clout. And yeah. it was, I kind of got, like, introspective, but, I mean, yeah. so now, that's why I've been kind of wary about putting anything out right now. Like, I haven't, post I, the only thing i posted was for my birthday well i think the the main thing there is just to make sure that what you're posting to be informed about like what you're gonna post do it with intent do it with action and make sure that the end result is to help someone else be informed or to help someone else ease that tension because what i kind of 
came the kind of conclusion I came to was that yeah, at the same time, these these tough things are going on, but you can't let that consume you because that's not a good positive end result either. Like you got to have some kind of re- release right. of it. You got to kind of some relief on it. So it's not a bad thing to smile every now and then. Yeah. You know, it's like that. I've had more fun in the last, and this might be a little fucked up. Like I've had more fun probably in the last month than I've had like in a while. And that might, maybe that's just the Rona talking. Maybe you got a lot more. Maybe I'm a little fried. It was also your birthday weekend. Facts. So let's give a nice little shout out for your birthday. You know, Um, (laughs) you clap it up for him real quick. The big two. Oh man, that's the only clapping I've heard in the last week. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) yo. So moving on, but keeping keeping the same vein. You know, we mentioned Kyrie being the messenger of it, and that kind of getting the message lost. At the same time, there's been people in NBA history who have been the right messenger, still ended up being stigmatized from the beginnings of the NBA in the 60s to the 90s and the Bulls heydays. Right. Some people on those three P teams were being stigmatized and blackballed from the NBA. And also some other people as well. You want to? Yeah, I wanted to start off. Um, I wanted to get right into it because I, I, you know, obviously for every pod episode, we do a little research mm-hmm. into who we're going to be talking about. and A little bit, a little um, bit. One of the guys I looked a little into is Bill Russell, who's like famously mm-hmm. always famously been very black. a racial, yeah, very famously black person, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also not afraid to be racial mm-hmm. um, in in conversation and the things he does and all that. He has like he ad- admittedly has Black Panther um, ties, which is fire. That's More excellent. power yeah. to him. That's what we That's want. Great. Um, but there were. Things in the so Bill Russell played basketball in the 1950s and 60s, right around the time where basketball was right after the initial integration of basketball, but right at the start of basketball players, black basketball players actually getting minutes mm-hmm. and being meaningful pieces on um, championship squads and actually given being um, awarded the opportunities that they deserved. And also, I think at this time the NBA and ABA was still separate. Right. So. so so I'm, as I'm doing this research on on Bill Russell, there's um, a few things. The running theme on on him is that he was very combative, and people were unsure if he liked white people at all. Mm-hmm. Like not just in public, where he at, like even teammates were unsure if he liked um, if he liked them. And it came and in the Wikipedia article article, and I'm not even talking about I'm not even talking about the events of the past. I just want to point out the language used in an article because I feel like people don't realize the damage that certain language does. Mm -hmm. So a direct quote from the article, according to Taylor, Russell discounted the fact that his career was facilitated by white people who were proven anti-racist. His high school coach, George Powell's the person who encouraged him to play basketball, his college coach, Phil Wolpert, who integrated USF basketball Celtics coach, Red Auerbach, who is regarded as an anti-racist pioneer and made him the first black NBA coach and Celtics owner, Walter A. Brown, who gave him a high $24,000 rookie contract, just $1,000 shy of the top-earning veteran Bob Cousy. So the only reason I read that um, quote was some of the words used there. Uh, Red Auerbach made him the first uh, black NBA coach. Mm -hmm. Not that he earned it, not that he fucking knew the game of basketball and maybe deserved to be an NBA coach somewhere. Auerbach made him yeah. um, 
uh, the first NBA uh, black NBA coach. Also, he was the first black professional coach, like in all yeah. leagues, all sports. So it wasn't just NBA. First black coach for football. There's no coaches in baseball, but a manager, like first black position like that. Yeah, and the uh, for the other one was Celtics owner Walter A. Brown, who gave him a twenty-four thousand dollars salary. You know, after he was drafted number one overall, after winning back-to-back championships and being the Naismith Basketball Player of the Year, he he didn't earn that twenty-four thousand dollars at all. It was given to him. No way, not at all. Um. And George Powell's the person who encouraged him to play basketball. Not that he was a freak um, track <laughs> athlete all uh, through his life. And maybe somebody just saw he could outpace everybody else on the court. And that, and the most telling word of all in this entire article, Russell discounted the fact that his career was facilitated by white people. As in, he wouldn't be where he was without the help of white people. It was like, no, it could have been genetics, hard work, talent. Knowledge of the game, being ahead of his time, having great teammates. Whole it bunch was just of none of it was just none of, it was just it was facilitated by white folk. Just pointing out how language can be damaging in in all even now. Yeah. There's a recent there's a on Wikipedia right now. You can read that yeah. at your leisure. And I think also in that little part too, you did it mention like his reputation as being uh, combative or something well, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the in yeah, in my research, he was like very combative with the media, yeah, and stuff. And it's it's crazy because you gotta really think about how things are reported in real time. Because one example of this, I don't want to get straight too far for it, but like Calvin Kaepernick and his situation, it was four years ago when he first started kneeling. And now you can kind of see the whole revisionist history coming up. Like, oh, he was right. He was a pioneer. He's a leader and this, this, and that. But he was vilified in the beginning. And you don't want that narrative to change. And so, like, another person who was considered combative in the time who I think would end up being absolved is, well, there's two people I want to bring up. Chris Jackson, a.k.a. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Mm-hmm. Um, you might yeah, I forgot him. that you, that he changed the name. So when you said that name, I was like, "Who the hell is yeah. Chris Jackson?" Um, you might know him from um, Big Three. He's lighting it up there. Yeah, he's and killing also, it in the Big Three. He's like fifth in the league in three point shooting. Yeah, he was good while he's in NBA yeah. too. And another person is Chris Hodges, another deadly shooter who was part of those '90s teams and um, on the Bulls three peat. And that kind of ties into what I'm talking about in the in the history and how these things are reported in real time. Because we just watched a five-week, ten-hour documentary on those '90s Bulls, and not one mention is brought up of Mahmoud. Not at all. one mention. Not one time. And on, mind you, he was on those three P Bulls. He was one of the leaders in. Wait, um, wait, he wasn't on the Bulls. Craig Hodges, yeah. Oh no, Craig. Ho- I was talking. Yeah. About, I was so talking. I'm talking about Craig Hodges right now. Yeah, Craig Hodges was was part of those three P '90s teams. Went to the White House in a full daishiki and everything, and tried to hand the president a letter saying, "Hey." Our people are being attacked right now. There's a lot of stuff going on where I'm from and every, and every community where there's primary black people, especially Chicago being the, the place that he represents professionally. And not only did that letter get like probably not even read Delivered. by the president, yeah. he was blackballed from the league right after. I feel like the league's blackballs have always been like mad. Um, When people get blackballed in the league... It's always, it's always really secret. Like it's never. God damn it! 
It's not a secret, bro. But no, no, it's not. Of, no, I'm, I'm look, not talking about like a secret, but it's just not talked about. Yeah, yeah, not talked. That's about. what it is. Because like, for example, like Mahmoud's, uh, when he did his thing for the national anthem, he uh, it, the well, NBA what was suspended. his thing? What was his thing? Okay, first so, of all, he so yeah, refu- he didn't want to stand for the national anthem, mm-hmm. so he stopped in the middle of the 1995-96 season, I believe in March. So it would so. So would have been twenty. Me I mean, uh, nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. And so the NBA f- suspended him without pay for every time he would do it. So he came to an agreement with the league where he would. Was it a suspension? Sh- I think it was just fine. No, nah, I think it was suspended. Oh, he was suspended wasn't even by the league anymore either. Like he was. It wasn't like he just was suspended for as long as he kept doing it. So they came to an agreement, I believe, where he would stand with his eyes closed. Yeah. And, like um, and while reciting, yeah, he would he was reciting um Islamic prayer while while doing so, and it's interesting to note. So the year right before he started doing this, he had his I believe career high in points per game for the season, and then he did the pro the his uh, protest, mm-hmm. and then the year after that he was out of the league. Sometimes. No, 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 no. It was I'm pretty t- close. It was close. It was after. close. He started getting no minutes. Yeah. Like he- his minutes just started tanking like crazy. And then the next by the way, he was uh basically out of the league by thirty one. Yeah. Which is you, when guys are hitting their prime or in the midst of their prime. This guy was killing it. So yeah, that ninety five season, he was averaging like nineteen points a game, like seven assists, shooting almost forty percent from three. And I don't want to say like the only reason I'm mentioning these stats is because it's not some bum that's saying this. And like, yeah. it would be easy to blackball or something like the conversations like about Kaepernick. He couldn't play anymore, et cetera, et cetera. This guy was getting buckets. Also was recently named the most improved player in the whole league. Yeah. And you, by the way, the Kaepernick shit was bullshit. The guy had been on a Super Bowl two, three years before. Yeah. So and this guy is the perfect messenger. Like you want people who are prominent people in the league. Also, I think that year for Denver was the year that they beat the number one seed or something like that, like that whole miracle team with Mutombo. Maybe. And so, oh, that might have been the year before. Either way, he's he's part of that history yeah. and that part of NBA history. This is a prominent guy. It's not like and just Tony cast Snow to the wayside. Talking about this, like it's someone who has gets buckets, prominent figure. He passed the the paper bag test too. He's a light skinned guy, so like all these things that make it digestible. And they're still like, nah, we don't want to hear that. Get out of our league. And like, this is the thing too that you gotta make sure you're paying attention to because hold up, the the NBA has a great reputation for being the progressive league and all this stuff. But you gotta look at where they come from as well. Did you say he passed the paper bag test? Yeah, that's the thing. Bro. <laughs> I've yeah. never heard of that before. You never heard of paper bag test? They even had a they even had a joke I about it on Family Guy. I guarantee have failed every single one. No, you pass. That's the thing. It's like if you're lighter than a paper bag, then you're like white passing and you're good to go and you're more socially acceptable. But if you're darker uh, than that paper bag, it's like uh, you're too close to being one of them. Uh, so even if you're not black, like you can be Hispanic, you can be um, heavily melanated Asian. Like one thing about Asian, too, that I'm starting to use more in the right way is that Asian also includes like India too yeah so like those kind of Asians I don't really think yeah, Oriental Asians, of Asians. Get, I don't think Oriental Asians gonna get that them dark all now? bro maybe like Philippines but I've never seen a Chinese person fail the paper bag test yeah 
So well, that's I mean, what I'm. That's I'm just saying that <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be PC here, but, but still. So, but getting back to the national anthem protest because it's been a national topic of debate for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Let's get down to it. Somebody kneeling for the flag for uh, during the national anthem. It's not disrespecting the flag. It's actually making sure that you're standing for what the flag is supposed to represent, which is freedom, happiness, and the pursuit. I mean, um, freedom. I mean, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and what's the third one? Jesus Christ. Property, life, liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Jesus Christ, (laughs) Mr. Green. I'm so sorry. Um, but no, see, this is the thing, bro. It's not even about the flag. No, no, but it's not. I'm just, I'm just attacking their argument. I know it's not about the flag, but I'm gonna make it about the flag for the sake of their argument. Mm -hmm. So. You guys say that this country stands for those three ideals. Those are our core ideals of our country. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right now, all three of those rights are being denied to a very sizable portion of the population. Probably at least 20%. So until that gets fixed, you probably shouldn't be standing for some, for, for, the, for, the, for the national anthem. Just my two cents. I got vilified at Iona for, sta- for sitting at a national during the really? national anthem. Yeah. Really? I, I sat at a, at a D1 game. I went to the basketball games. I didn't get up. And would they start throwing? They just, not, no, nobody like nobody like attacked me, but like it was one of those situations where like not only am I sitting, but I'm also not white, and there's mad white folk at this very white college mm-hmm. where all these people are either related to cops <laughs> or from Staten Island. So you know, I gotta yeah. gotta be keeping my head on my swivel over there. That's rough. Okay, Brandon, I see you, my <laughs> ally, my brother. <laughs> I see you. Yes, say, say, say the slogan one more time for us. What? Black lives matter. Black lives. Well, all lives can't matter till Black lives matter. I didn't want to hear that, but okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I like to attack people's argument, not no, the actual. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, but all right. So, just don't let the messenger taint ruin the, the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and. Speaking on like Kyrie's other message, of well, b- 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 sorry. Before we get to that, like right, the fault. game, like what we were talking about, um, Bill and Mahmood, the mm-hmm. game. These we don't owe anything to the game. Like the game owes us a lot, mm-hmm. or like not us, but the game owes them a lot. Like these 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 pros. Okay. I know they're getting these fat contracts and stuff, but a lot of these guys are sacrificing a lot of their livelihoods. I mean, not livelihoods of their lives. To be pro athletes, obviously they're getting compensated monetarily way more than that. But society doesn't treat them like the people like the people like, they deserve yeah, to be like treated. Humans. Like the the that white uh, news lady who told LeBron to shut up and dribble, Lord who Andrew. now reversed course when Drew Brees did his whole thing. It was yeah. like, no, like we should listen out to opinions. Get the fuck out of here. Nah, yeah, we know she, why you we know why you want to hear Drew talk. She could eat a glizzy for sure. And then, like, <laughs> more than more than that, too. I think I thought you're gonna get into um, just the kind of treatment that Bill Russell faced as a player in Boston. Yeah, like in his own city, his yeah. home city, bro. And this is one of the, the funny conversations about Boston because I have a, a weird relationship with Boston as well because I went to uh, boarding school out there, not too mm-hmm. far out there. I'm not gonna give my school a shout out though because they can eat a glizzy as well. I went mm-hmm. not too far out there, and it's a nice city. It's a pretty city, and there's a lot of black people there too. But at the same time, you feel like this is not a city. There's for otherness. Me. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's an otherness about it. And I think the reason for that is okay. I direct quote from my notes here. Um, 
Boston is a northern sanctuary for racists. Um, uh, yeah. And what I mean by that is obviously when there were, when slave lines were split down the middle, northern cities were free and southern states were not. Um, and Boston obviously is very north. However, there the people who settled in Boston, I feel like we ha- I have to we have to get back to what kind of people live in Boston and what their circumstances were when they moved there and I think the divide between the white people in Boston and the black people and black people is a lot of the population in Boston is Irish immigrants mm-hmm. who were also not on the same level at all but were treated very poorly upon coming to America however it was on the tier list of like people Americans did not fuck with yeah. it was like black people it's i mean and then irish people like they were like the white trash they were yeah. like the bottom <laughs> of the barrel for white people um uh-huh. so i and but then you get those same irish people turning around and telling black people like oh you guys got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. because they they see it as like well we pulled ourselves out of our situation of being like quote unquote considered second rate risk citizens why can't you so and I think that's where a lot of sentiment in a lot of communities comes from. The I did this, why can't you? Yeah. Which is like you guys just aren't understanding how yeah. you much of a head start y'all yeah, had. The severity of the whole situation. But like, yeah, I don't know. One person I follow on Twitter, Bomani Jones, he's very like insightful about all this stuff. He doesn't need a shout out from us. He should probably shout us out. <laughs> Bomani is Bomani's very chill guy but yeah his whole thing on this is just like boston's boston's defense of itself and its and its actions and its reputation is like yeah i know boston's not the best place but we're not as racist as alabama right we're not as racist as mississippi so, and that's what's kept them from getting kind of like microscope yeah. and so that's that's the whole thing and i, I don't know because they're still a blue state i believe yeah yeah there's who cares about that stuff though yeah, I right. think it's just really the conversation of being non-racist versus anti-racist. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to really be proactive and on the front lines about all this stuff and really emphatic about denouncing and shaming this un- unjust behavior and unjust prejudices. You feel me? So is Kyrie saying the right thing? Like, should there be a season at all? Well, okay. So my issue with <clears throat> not my issue. I mm-hmm. I want whoever sits out. I want them to Maya more the fuck out of this shit. Like exactly. I don't want them. I don't want them sitting at home and donating anything and them thinking that's it. Like nah. Like I need you on the ground. I need you making calls. I need you do, yeah. making calls to action. I need you giving people the resources and information they need to, to to succeed. Because if you're just gonna sit home and cut a check. You might as well fucking play and get more money to cut more mo- to give a bigger check, right? That's the other side of the argument, right? right. Which is yeah, yeah, the other side. If they sit out, if everybody sits out, it'll have crazy ramifications. Mm-hmm. Um like even farther like it'll have ramifications on the league's finances for years to come. So, if it already does. Like, well, yeah. So fuck, it's cool. What, what were you saying? What were you saying before this? Um should should they sit out? You were saying they got to go full Meyer more. Yeah. Um, totally. Don't, so yeah, they have to get on the ground some way and be out there doing what they got to do, as opposed to just that proactive work. Yeah, not just 
And then okay, so the guys who and then the guys who decide to play, like make a note that that is your choice, and like still do your thing. Don't get that. Don't think that's oh, I'm just gonna be a basketball player and do, um, basketball things. Like, I'm not gonna hate you for not for not doing anything at all. But I'm not gonna buy your merch, and and I think that's like how the way. We should boycott if we're gonna like try to do any like things on our end as mm-hmm. fans for these guys. We I we have to start supporting people who support us, and I think that's an important distinction that we have to start to make. And it, it's it's an important part of trying to be responsible also as a fan. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then whatever it is too, just try to be a unified front on that. Because mm-hmm. like the 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 more split the players are, especially like with who start who like took their stance lebron is a very powerful voice in the league and that's why when he said yo i'm we should play like why everybody was like threw their support behind that immediately like lebron's a guy that if he tells you to jump you're gonna ask how high and it's not and i guess that's like a way that he's different from jordan because jordan's not gonna ask you in a nice way (laughs) that's true that's true but that's how you know he'll ask you why didn't you jump yet you know, damn. <laughs> well, maybe not for this this particular situation because he didn't jump yeah. himself. But still, <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you, you know what it. I mean. <laughs> um. So now we're gonna transition into garbage time. As you know, or if you're new to us, garbage time is where we get on our little soapbox and say anything that's been on our mind lately. This this week's garbage time goes to Brandon. So. We're gonna get him, let him do his little start, his little beginning, and we're gonna start off a new, new way today. So for this week's uh, garbage time, I thought we'd talk about this, uh, this theory that the surge in Corona cases is directly related to this, uh, the protest movement in the last month. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. That's it. We're done for the day. <laughs> All right, have a good one, guys. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, now nah, this the the realistically like the Corona spike was gonna happen regardless, regardless, uh, regardless of <laughs> of of whatever was gonna happen, um, protests or not. There was already a second wave in China, and I'm pretty sure there's no Black Lives Matter protests in China right now. Already, especially considering how divided the NBA was with those Chinese protests. Uh, divided, um, a few months back, um, and. I I understand the concerns of some of the people that were like, oh, I'm not going to go to uh, to these protests because I'm scared about getting sick or or whatever. Um, but then I like that was my concern in the beginning. I didn't want to spread it to people. But then I realized I didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. And there was actually two things that, that directly inspired me. One was my guy, Bernie Sanders, out here in Vermont doing his thing. I don't know if you guys saw those pictures of him in the civil rights movement. Civil? When, and it's funny because in those pictures, Bernie looks old. And so he's been old forever. He's like Like, the white Morgan Freeman. Yeah, like he's been so old for so long. It's crazy. Like he, like the guy's been on the right side of of history his whole life. Mm -hmm. And no one can ever take that away from him. There's photographic evidence of this. And I think that's, 
leads into my second reason for not for 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 wanting to go protest is I want to be able to tell my kids in 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, my my kids or grandkids in 30, 40, 50 years. Yo, this was pop. This is what Pop was doing. He was actually on the ground. He was actually out here, Pop like, Brandon, trying to trying to make sure that you and your moms would be able to be together without getting stared at on the street. Um, making a joke about these about me having a black queen. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. Oh, yo, my guy. Every week, oh. up in the ally. Okay, um, up in the allyship. Um, so, yeah, and and I know like. For for like for Bernie, there can be no doubts about his place in history. And I know some of these old folk now who talk to their kids and their grandkids about the civil rights movement tell and they say and I'm like, Yeah, I, I wanted to be like me and my black friends, of course I wanted to be able to hang out with them without people staring at them. Mm-hmm. But they I know there some of them are lying. Not all of them were out there on the streets. Like if you look at a lot of those pictures, a lot of them are overwhelmingly black and yeah. there's a lot of people saying they were there. So yeah. someone ain't right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I'm not necessarily saying that those people that didn't go to those protests were anti-black, but I'm, I am going to go out on a limb here and say they're not pro-black. Mm. Um, um, cause Me it, mug. and, and there's a definitely a distinct, a distinction between those two things. Um, we did talk about the importance of language earlier this episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I'm out here and that's why I will be out here if you guys want to see me. Um, at the defund the protest, defund the police protest at City Hall yeah. um, this Friday. Yeah, come out, meet the guys. Uh, I'm going to be there as well, out there showing my support for the gang. Um, yeah, so make sure you come out and follow us. Or not follow us, but just come out and support. Bring your signs, bring your gear, bring your friends, bring some water, bring some sanitizer, bring your mask. But we out here to defund the police. So... Bruh. So now wrapping up a little bit. Um you got another episode in the books. Where can these people find you? Find me at the protest on Friday. Mm-hmm. But on social media, follow me at Kuji Triz, K-U-J-I-I-T-R-I-Z-Z underscore Instagram and Twitter. And you guys can find me also at the protest on Friday. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at B Level Comedy. Fair enough. But if we leave you guys with anything this episode, we get on our little Jerry Springer parting shots. Just protect your neighbors and love that neighbors and just be out there and be proactive. That's the thing. Like Brandon said, there's a difference between being not racist and being anti-racist. All right. Beethoven was black. <laughs> <laughs>